All right, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Irvin. Welcome to Insight with Irv. In today's episode, I want to break down why you're struggling to make six figures or to even hit that first six figure mark, whether it's in your business or if you are trying to reach it, maybe at a in a career level. Uh, but for the purposes of this specific episode, I may end up speaking more to those of us that are geared around entrepreneurship and in business because look, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. I never made six figures or my first six figures inside of corporate America. I made my six figures and I made my money and I still make all of my money through my businesses, right? So if you're somewhere or if you're someone that's maybe you're stuck in, in a specific place or if maybe you have no idea what the heck you're doing in your business, uh, I have five different really areas that I think that you should consider taking a look at uh, if you are stuck, whether it's that first 100K, whether it whether your goal is 250, whether your goal is half a million dollars, whatever that goal is. But I want to keep it as simple as possible because I think that simplicity scales and fancy fails, right? Till this day, my first $100,000 was the most, and still to this day has been the most satisfying. Um, I've seen over $100,000 in my bank account. I've had like months where I made more in a month than I did uh, all my life working inside of corporate America. Like that's not a hyperbole, that's not a, an exaggeration, right? I made more money in a day than what I've made in a month in some instances and nothing till this day feels as good. Like even if, even if someone were to tell me right now, you know, you just had a six figure day, yeah, that would be cool, but there was something about seeing that tax return or that 1099 where it came in and it literally had over a hundred thousand dollars in it and i was like oh my god well first of all i created a whole new tax problem that i'm okay now we got to get a good cpa right which thank god for you know guys like my brother where he's you know heavily involved in um in the tax game and so i was able to ask him some questions but you know, one of the things that I realized that really helped me catapult there, and I just share with you my experiences that I've kind of, you know, put into place with these five different areas is the first one is I noticed that I lacked the skill set, and that's what was keeping me back from hitting my six, my first six figures. And maybe you're in a spot right now where you don't have a skill set that's deemed worthy to the marketplace. Now, that's not necessarily like I don't want you to confuse. Okay, that you have no worth as an individual because you're human. I'm a human, right? I'm referring it to more as a skill set that you can exchange currency with. And so a good one is I have my uh, my video my videographer. He's here with me right now. I think that he has a fantastic skill set. He's able to do things on the camera, he's able to do things with the audio that uh, like I would take hours trying to figure out and he would come in here and like literally setting this up, there was something wrong with one of the audios. It was playing on one side and it wasn't recording on the other side and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, we can just, you know, click this, click that and that's it. We're good." You know how long that'll take me? And you know, I consider myself someone who's pretty diligent in research, but those are just strengths that some of us have that others don't, right? And so you wanna see, okay, what's a skill set that I can maybe own and maybe take to a marketplace, maybe it's sales, maybe you have a gift of gab, right? But I don't always like saying gift of gab because I don't think that people that could talk a lot or talk fast are good salesmen because they have issues speaking, but maybe you're good at storytelling. And so even though you're, you have a gift to gab, you may want to train that gift to gab so that you can help persuade people in an ethical way in exchange to obviously cause more sales to happen either in your organization 
or in my opinion, which is going to be the fastest way for you to really start revving up some cash. And that's the name of the game. It's, I think it's the oldest game in the book. And that's going to be sales. I think that if there is a skill set that you want to learn to dominate, it is sales. Now, some people think that sales is one to one, right? Where it's just me trying to convince someone. So we have this thought process of, well, I don't want to be that guy or I don't want to be that gal that's trying to convince someone or trying to tell someone why they should buy a product. But look, selling isn't telling, right? And, and convincing isn't uh, going to favor the consumer. You want to persuade someone in a way that makes them feel as if it was their decision all along. That's what real selling is. Selling is something that I heard from Myron Golden that I thought he articulated it extremely well, where he says, selling isn't something that we do to people. Selling is something that we do for people. And I couldn't agree with that anymore, right? And so you want to get good at sales. If you don't have a product, go out and find a product or a service that you can sell for someone else in exchange for commissions. I promise you, there's never a shortage. Like go on indeed.com. You'll never see a shortage of uh, companies looking for sales agents, looking for salespeople, because that is the bloodline of any business. I don't care if you're selling photography packages. I don't care if you're selling coaching programs. I don't care if you're selling medicine prescription, like all those commercials that you see, that's just a big sales pitch. They just happen to mask it as if it's something that we need, but it's all just a big sales pitch to either get you on the phone or get you in front of a rep so that they can kind of guide you through the sales process. Second thing that I realized that, you know, I struggled with that was keeping me from making six figures. And again, I hope that you can find yourself in any of these or in all of them, right? But you can most likely find yourself in any one of these five. But the second one is I noticed that there was a lack of sense of direction. I didn't have much direction on the type of business that I wanted to do. Like at the time I knew that it was real estate, but there's so many pieces to the pie with real estate that you can be an REO agent, which means that you work directly with the banks. You can be a short sale specialist. You could be a luxury agent. You can be an agent that just sells to active communities, meaning 55 plus, right? Those are like retirees. You can be a vacation home agent that just sells to people that are looking for Airbnbs. Uh, you can be a real estate agent that works just with buyers. You can be a real estate agent that works just with sellers. And so I started to notice that I started getting a lot of traction back when I was selling real estate, uh, specifically with when I started really dealing with sellers. Now, the one cool thing that happened when I started working specifically with sellers when I sold real estate was I got a lot of like one-to-one -one hand combat, meaning I got really good at cold calling. Like I would dial into neighborhoods in the hundreds daily. Like it would take a thousand dials in order to reach a hundred people. Uh, but with the conversations that we had with those hundred people, I then started to learn, okay, there's really four different communication styles that we can learn from, which is a whole different conversation, right? But the four main ones is someone who maybe likes to analyze information. And those are the, I have to think about it people that they just have to analyze every single thing about every single thing. You have the drivers. Those are the people that just give me the bottom line. You have the people that they don't mind you leading the conversation uh, where it's like, it can be 50, 50. And so that person can either a think to themselves, you know, depending on how you bond with them, they can think to themselves, okay, this person was a bit overbearing, or maybe they do most of the talking. And then the fourth type of person that we deal with is, or that I learned to deal with was the person that was just highly energetic, right? This was like the person that if you let them in a room and they know no one, they'll come out with 50 friends. 
like that type of person. And so when you start to realize what type of four people there are out there that you're selling to, you also start to identify who you are as a communicator, which leads back into the direction that I wanted to take myself and my business. And so even the ideas that I wanted to present to a marketplace. And so you start to take those moments that like, even if I didn't make the bulk of my money there with those cold calls, the skill set that I was able to take with me as I pivoted into a new direction is a lifelong skill, which now translates to into what a lot of people consider you're pretty good at speaking in front of a camera, right? So the first time I wouldn't even think that I was that good at speaking in front of a camera. And I still think that there's still obviously some wiggle room for improvements, right? I don't think that anyone's perfect, but I think that that learning curve was a lot better because we had to curate presentations before going out to speak to business owners or homeowners and homes and, and, and home buyers. And then, and investors, by the way, in real estate. And then we also had to, or I learned to craft messages uh, to them that would entice them to want to pick me versus maybe dealing with another agent in the market, which was the only really uh, value prop that we could give at the time, at least one that I could think of, right? And so being able to pivot into a different direction, look, you don't have to stay somewhere. If it's like not working out, I, I can see how many times where, yes, I talk to people and we tell them, yes, you want to try to stay in a specific lane as long as possible because it's better to be you know an inch wide and a mile deep than a mile than a mile wide and an inch deep because this allows you to get more depth inside of a of a marketplace but if something's not working out it could be time to pivot especially if you've already tried the same thing 5 10 15 20 30 different variations of that thing right the third thing and this is a big one doesn't matter how many skills you have it doesn't matter what marketplace you're in if you have limiting beliefs, you are not going to make a lot of money. If you have limiting beliefs, you are not going to have influence over people to give you their hard earned income or to trust you with their investments or to trust you with even the advice that you give. When you have a limiting belief, the way that you portray a message and the way that you carry yourself, they're going to be able to tell the difference between the, is this person an expert or is this person just winging it? And I can tell you, especially people that have a high BS meter where they've been around the block a couple times and it's most likely the people that you want to be doing business with, those people would be able to kind of tell you out like that, especially when you're in B2B combat, uh, business to business, right? It doesn't happen so much when it's business to consumer, unless you have some pretty savvy consumers, but when it's business to business, they can sniff it out like that. And if you're listening to this podcast, then odds are you are obviously looking to level up because you could have been listening to anything else, but you're here locked in with me, listening to me, whether you're in a commute or whether you know, you're at your house or whether you're washing your clothes or whether you're doing your dishes or whether you're having a meal with your family or by yourself, you're obviously looking to level up. So some, lim some limiting beliefs, you don't think highly of yourself. Now, I don't want you to confuse this with arrogance because thinking highly of yourself isn't arrogance. It's thinking higher about yourself than other people or compared to other people. The minute that you start to compare yourself as I am better than them, that's when arrogance starts to kick in. But if you're someone that thinks to themselves, I deserve to go out there and earn what's mine by providing value, by becoming a sovereign citizen, by educating the masses, by first educating myself, by leading by example, by being the solution, not the problem, then yes, you want to think highly of yourself. And yes, that is a limiting belief that you want to cast down to think that you're just a lower or, or, or lower than everyone else in terms of your skill set, in terms of, you know, hey, why would they want to do business with me? I absolutely suck.
right, at what I do. You can suck for a period, you don't have to suck forever. And that's the whole point of continuing to work on everything that I'm breaking down for you right now. The fourth um, item that I have on here that I think that we really need to pay attention to, and this one took me a little bit too long to really kind of like turn the corner on, was I was thinking too small in terms of making my target $100,000. Now, I know that Charlie Munger says, and literally his quote, he says, your first $100,000, or making your first $100,000 is a bitch, right? And I 100% agree with him on that. I think that the target of $100,000, especially with where we are now, with how expensive things are getting, it shouldn't be $100,000. In my opinion, I think it should be closer to two fifty. dollars So $250,000, in Irv's opinion, is the new $100,000. Now, that may shock some people and they may think, oh man, that, that's, that's a crazy goal. But I think that with how expensive housing is, with how expensive inflation uh, things, have, you know, have, things have gotten, with people having to move back in with roommates, people have, having to move back in with families, let's be real, $100,000 doesn't go as far as it used to, let's say, back in 2014, 2015, 2016, right? So that's why that target gets bumped up above $100,000. Here's the other reason why I think this. If you're only thinking in metrics of $100,000, what ends up happening is that you start to judge your decisions and your opportunity vehicles in like increments of $10,000. I don't know why the mind works this way, but it does, at least it does for me. And so if this resonates with you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So you'll find an opportunity. So let's say if you're thinking in metrics of $100,000, you'll get a job that pays you $60,000, right? Average salary for the most part across America. And then you start to think to yourself, okay, I just have to come up with the other $40,000 on the back end, right? But the issue with that is that you're stuck at the $100,000 or actually be below the $100,000 because of this one last thing that I'm gonna tell you right here that's not that's actually going to kind of put a cap on where you wanna go. And that's, you're not at $100,000 because obviously we haven't touched taxes yet and we're not gonna get into that here, but that's going to put you well below the $100,000 mark. And then the fifth thing that it kind of like ties everything in of why it took me longer than it should have to reach my first six figures is when you cap yourself at just thinking at $100,000 versus kind of stretching it to 50, 300, 400, or even half a million dollars, even if you have a feeling like, I know I'm not gonna hit this goal, but at least thinking and training yourself to think at a higher scale, is that when you're below $100,000, it's really hard for you not to wear all the hats, right? When you're not at the six-figure mark in your business just yet, like you can't do much with $100,000. I think that the sweet spot is once you get to 250, because at least when you have 250, you can start to outsource certain things. So maybe you can get an admin, takes care of all of your paperwork, someone who's your right hand, that they know, you know what you like to deal with, what you don't like to deal with, and then they can help you time block your schedule. So everything that you're getting off of your plate, you're passing in over to them. Now, this is gonna be more of a generalist, right? This is gonna be a person who's gonna help you deal to maybe put us on fires with some clients, but they're also gonna help you deal and process some paperwork. They're not necessarily the salesperson, um, but this person, because you're still kind of like in that role, especially if you're maybe one-to-one combat, but they are someone that's going to help you get your time back. Now this part's important because let's say if you're paying them as an example, um, 16, 17, 18 bucks an hour, maybe even for a part-time gig, if you're not replacing the time that you paid out to them to go back in and create more income producing activities, then you're actually going to start losing money and you're gonna start working backwards so everything's in vain. The second thing that I've noticed, if, especially when you don't have a higher earning capacity is that the type of help that you can get isn't the best help. And so you have to start settling. And I know that everyone has to go through this at one point, but the faster you can get through this, the faster you're able to grow your business. You kind of got to settle for the crappy 
assistance. Like, there's no other way to put it. You kind of got to settle for the super general crappy salesperson. Like, there's no other way to put it, even though that's going to be more of a commission base. When you're an A-level player or when you run an A-level organization, and I'm not talking about this huge organization, I'm talking about the way people perceive you on social media, the way you post, the way you conduct yourself, and even the way that you carry yourself out in the marketplace, they know, okay, this person's a competitor and they are an A-level player. They understand that you are going to acquire A-level talent, which is, in my opinion, the secret sauce to why all the organizations that we fanboy about are able to grow as fast as they do because everyone wants to go work at Tesla all the engineers, everyone wants to go work, let's say at Meta, all the engineers, everyone wants to go work at let's say the best hospital, right? The best doctors, that's called acquiring A-level talent because they made a name for themselves. So there's two ways of doing that. You can either A, pay your way in by recruiting through monetary, or you can become an absolute savage competitor inside the marketplace where people say, you know what, I want to be a part of a growing team, kind of like what's ha kind of like what happens in sports, where they may not have the best payroll, but they have a hell of a farming system, and that farming system, uh, the farming system allows them to then nurture the talent as the organization starts to grow. So then you start to kind of uh, build again this framework, and you start to build out a reputation of, hey, you might want want to go work or with or for so and so. They're doing some big things over there. So these are my thoughts on why someone isn't making their first six figures. Obviously, you know, these are these are really my personal experiences on what I think took me so long to get to, you know, where I'm at today, crossing well over that six figure mark multiple times. Um, on my journey to get to seven figures, I'll obviously share with you my experience of what that's like. I'm not there just yet, but when I get to that seven figure mark, eight figure mark, um, because we are building something that's gonna hit eight figures. Like, it's not even a question. We, we're building something that's gonna hit eight figures. I'll bring you with me through that experience. But as of right now, I can definitely speak on that six-figure threshold because I think that it's, if you can't figure that out, it's, it's, it's gonna be impossible to scale because all these skill stacks or all these skill sets stack on top of each other. If you found value in this content, consider hitting that subscribe button and consider leaving us a five-star review. Again, only if you found value. And if you didn't, that's cool too. Um, until next time, everyone, I will see you in the next episode.